Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us on this Tuesday morning, getting started. Hope you all had a blessed weekend. Hope you all enjoyed yourself. Um, We want to keep mindful of those who uh, unfortunately got into various situations, some not of their own making, and, you know, others could have used better judgment. We lost some lives this weekend. We want to keep them and their families in prayer, as always. But um, thank you for being with us and, and taking the time today. So we're back on the hamster wheel today, some of us anyway. It's National Workaholics Day for some of you that did not know. We want to talk a little bit about what a workaholic is, if you are or are not one, and how how we should approach that. Is that a good thing, bad thing, what? So we have Dr. Cheryl Hobbs on with us today to kind of give us a little more insight into what that is. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, Gretchen, and thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well, and so glad to have you on the show, and so glad you got somebody that's going to break this down for us because, you know, I mean, I've been told that uh, I'm busy. My producer, I know she is busy because she runs the whole network, Um, you know, (laughs) <laughs> and I have other friends that are, are you know, they're kind of like me, and then I have others like, don't you ever sit down? And so let's talk about this whole workaholic thing. What exactly is a workaholic? And, um, you know, how do you do maybe the self-reflection to determine whether or not you're a workaholic or, you know, that's just status quo? Well, you know, Gretchen, those are all very good questions, and you're talking to a live, former, and recovering, I like to say, workaholic, because, you know, like any type of an addiction, and being a workaholic is an addiction, and and I think that's very important for people to really recognize, because some of the same things that you say to yourself with any addiction until you really realize you have an addiction is, that's not me, and that's not what I'm doing. And so I like to really start out by saying that it's an addiction, and it's an addiction to work. And if you have an addictive personality, it doesn't matter if it's drugs or alcohol or any substance, being addicted to work will do the same thing. It will destroy a family, okay? And I'm a living witness of that and how that works. Um, And so I always like to start out with people asking them that question, are you addicted to work? And people say, oh, no, that's not me. I'm not addicted to work. And then I ask them, so if you're on a beach, what are you doing? 
And they said, oh, I take my laptop or I take my cell phone with me. And I said, okay, and what are you doing that for? And they'll say, oh, I'm just working, but I'm not really working, working. You know, they try to make excuses for it. <laughs> and I made excuses for it. I was the person, like, I live in Florida, and I'm, like, on the beach with my laptop or my cell phone. Mm-hmm. But I had a very sobering moment, Gretchen, that was very life-defining. And mm-hmm. that was when my kids came down here to be with me, and they wanted to bring their kids and go to Disney. And I'm like, okay. And, and they gave me a rule, and they said, now, Mom, you cannot be on your cell phone. And I thought, Gretchen, that I had cleared my calendar and that I was committed to my family, and I wasn't. And it broke Mm. my heart when my five-year-old granddaughter said to me, Nana, do you really have to be on your phone right now? Now, it's one Hmm. thing when the 37-year-old daughter says it, but when your grandchild says it to you, that's when you really know you have a problem. And it's like picking up a bottle and, you know, so do you really need to take that drink? And I found myself in that moment, just like any addiction, saying, well, no, baby, but, you know, just give me five minutes. But, Gretchen, the five minutes turned into a whole day that I literally missed being with them mm. as a family after I had lied to them, basically, because you have to say these things. I lied to them. I said to them before they came, because they live out of state, I'm going to devote all of my time. I'm putting the phone away. And I didn't do it, Gretchen. I didn't mm-hmm. do it. So that was a pivotal time in my life that I realized I had to stop. I had to stop doing what I had been saying. And me being a Christian, I would always make the other excuse and say, People would say, oh, you're working so hard, and, you know, and I said, oh, girl, I love what I do, and I work for God, you know, because people would say, oh, well, you know, no one cares how much you work and this, that, and the other. I'm like, girl, I'm not working for them. I work for God. Mm-hmm. And, yes, Gretchen, I do work for God, but at the same time, God had to convict me and remind me, but I want you to have life abundantly, mm-hmm. and I want you to have work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And you're working for me as you work for others. Yeah. And I thought about what serious. you were saying. Yeah, I thought about what you were saying about the whole um, taking everything to the beach thing. Because I always tell people, I'm like, so why exactly are you going to the beach? I mean, I take my phone. I take my phone to the beach for two reasons. One, if something happens and I need to call nine one one. The mm-hmm. other thing is, I am in love with sunrises and sunsets. So the camera yeah. comes out for the sunset, you know, or, yeah. or taking memorable photos. But I don't take the laptop to the beach. I mean, number one, if it gets water and sand and it's done, that's money I have to spend coming out of my pocket. And you got to ask yourself, is it really worth it? But the other thing is, mm-hmm. too, especially if you're going with someone else, you know, are, are you all engaged with each other? Uh, at, at that, you know, at that crucial point in time, you know, are you making those memories, you know? And then I, the other thing I thought about what you talked about was um, the working, you know, in God and always. And I always say, first of all, I don't think God put us on this earth just to work, you know. And like you said, in terms of working for God, yeah, we're here for His glorification, but also too, like tell people, I said, even God. To, who who has more capacity than we'll ever have to do a whole number of things, even simultaneously 
and we try to multitask when we don't do that well. My husband reminds me of that a lot. <laughs> um, even God took a day. Yeah. So we've got to take a day to recharge those human batteries, as I say, you know, and I, I just, you know, so, I mean, I am that, but at the same time, it's like, uh, for example, my husband and I, uh, we have conflicting schedules sometimes. So sometimes he's working like six days a week. So he's usually off on Sundays. And I've, I've gotten to the point where, I mean, I've even left jobs because, you know, the working on Sunday thing, you know? And so um, mm-hmm. I always say, you know, people's like, well, you know, can you, I'm like, that this is the man I made vows with, this is my husband, this is our time, he, you know, he's off, I'm off. We're, you know, if we're not doing anything, but mm-hmm. we're hanging out, that's just, that's that time, you know. And I think people don't carve out time, you know. And that is so true. That is so true. And I really want to commend you. You know, I like to do the round of applause when I'm working with, you know, whole groups and everything because, what you've just described is someone that has learned how to break it off. And that's what the workaholic has to learn to do, to break it off. Do you know, Gretchen, um, and facts don't lie, right? There are over 10 million workers who average 60 hours of work per week. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, 30 33% of them have regular headaches that's caused by stress. So a lot of times you wonder, well, why is my head hurting? Well, you've got so much mm-hmm. stuff up there that's competing with your time and your body is putting stress on your body. And you can actually, mm-hmm. because 67%, you know, end up with a chance of coronary heart disease. So with mm-hmm. all those things happening, why is it that we still keep driving ourselves? So that's literally like, and I like how you said it earlier when you first did the introduction to the show, it's like getting back on that hamster wheel right? But Mm -hmm. you are surviving the statistic that 55% of marriages fail due to the physical and emotional estrangement because of being a workaholic. So I commend you when you really set that time to say, no, this is my husband and I, this is our time, and we're going to take that time. But this is the thing, like you said, in terms of learning. Yeah, I had to learn it because I remember almost distinctly a couple of times where I just went, went to burnout. And, and I've, mm-hmm. I've had those things, and I just, I, it, and, and you know, uh, like I said, my producer can tell you I'm involved in this, that, and other. I've had times where I've had to just kind of pull myself out of everything, and then go back after a while. And people are like, well, where have you been? And you know, I'm like, you know, I had to, you know, take care of some things. And basically, it was <laughs> I had to take care of me because I was losing my mind. I was at certain places so much that. I was like, you all just need to put a cot here for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We tell ourselves that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing, too, it seems to me that you get guilted into having to – people tend to guilt you or you – well, let me just put it this way. You end up letting people guilt you into doing more than you really need to do or should do sometimes. Um, you know, for whether it's statistics, whether it's you know the the praise of well, no one can do it like you, or no one does it as well as you, or (laughs) whatever the case may be, you get guilted sometimes into just going forward and doing 
what you know the things that maybe you should say no to sometimes. So you know that makes sense what you're saying because I have what I call these three things that either you do or say or others tell you. And so number one, you work for positive affirmations. And so what do you hear? People say things like, "She's so diligent," or you hear someone say, "He's a team player." So you're right. When you keep hearing those type of affirmations, it puts you in that continuous cycle of, well, I can't let them down. You know, what would it look like if I'm not diligent or if I'm not a team player? Or then it's like you bring the work home and you say to yourself, oh, I'll just finish a few things at home as you're leaving work. Or you say to your family, okay, I'm almost done, like I said to my granddaughter, right? And it still keeps you back in that cycle that you almost seemingly can't get out. And then the other one, number three, is that you don't admit it. You don't say that I'm a workaholic, right? You don't say that you're hardworking. In fact, what you say is, I'm not a workaholic. I'm just hardworking. And I'm just passionate about what I do. And people look at you, going back to number one with those affirmations of, that's right, girl, you know you are always diligent and faithful. We can depend on you. But you know what, Gretchen? I learned many times in my life the hard way. I'm cured by God's grace now. But the hard way is that people don't have a problem with telling you no. And you have to learn to be able to be respectful, gentle, and kind, but very firm when you say to people, and you don't even need to give them an excuse, Gretchen, I would love to do that. However, I'm not available. And let it be at that. Now I'll give you an yeah, example. Yeah, we always this, seem this, like we we always seem like we have to justify saying no. Yes, you know, you don't. You do not. Because <laughs> we're, 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 we're taught when we're kids. We're taught when we're kids that no is negative. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> you know, and the thing about it is, it, no in the in the correct context text is not negative. It's just part of a choice in terms of whether you can or will do something or whether you can't or won't do something. Um, but it's sure. not necessarily a negative thing all the time. It's just what it is. Yes, and I would agree with that totally. You know, so there's a difference between being a workaholic and a hard worker, right? And I think it's hard sometimes, especially for leaders and high-powered leaders, to be able to navigate those waters because there's a very thin line. You know, it's almost like that thin line between love and hate. It's a thin line between being a workaholic and being a hard worker, right? Because a workaholic really does not know how or when to stop. But a hard worker knows when to leave work. So in other words, when the productivity of the day has ended where you know, okay, this is as much as I can give today, and you cut it off. Because at the end of the day, you want to be able to make it to the next day so that you can continue doing whatever it is that you stop. But you won't be able, and this is where the workaholic forgets, if you don't stop driving yourself into the ground on that wheel, you will find yourself you can't keep up after a while, and that's what begins to happen. And that's unfortunate because you don't always see those signs, right? They're subtle when they try to come into you. But when you recognize it, then it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you go to the doctor and they say something like, well, you know, you're pre-this or pre-that or 
wait a minute, that's not going to be my story. And that's when you begin to see, like, I need to make a shift. Because physically, naturally, and spiritually, the same type of working ethic cannot impact all of that in your life. So you have to balance that. We are here with Dr. Cheryl Hobbs. It is National Workaholics Day here on G's Power Hour and everywhere else, and we're trying to get a handle on what this whole workaholics thing is about and whether or not you're doing more damage to yourself than good. The number is 516-387-1944 if you have any questions, comments. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today, National Workaholics Day. We're trying to find out what that's all about, if you have an issue, and um, how we kind of work ourselves around that. So, you know, and, and apparently from our conversation, my conversation with Dr. Cheryl Hobbs, who is helping us kind of break this down, We've both kind of been in danger of, of that um, in, in our recovering, like you said. So um, so let me ask this. I want to know how the pandemic impacted, work, you know, already existing workaholics, and I want to find out if it might have created some at the same time. So, you know, it really, I'm glad you asked that because COVID has had a very, um, both I would say a negative and positive impact on us, right, as people, you know. And so there are three things I believe that really happen as it relates to people and work, right. So number one, I believe that people were, who were already workaholics, they became even more involved in work, which really exposed a lot about how they were hiding things about what they were doing. So when you're face-to-face with everybody in one place at home because you can't go anywhere or do anything else, now your work really comes out about how much you're really working, right, because you're sitting in front of those people. When we're all about our business, just kind of everybody's going where they're going, you don't necessarily see it. You know that, you know, he or she doesn't come home like at 5 o'clock every day, right? Um, and they get home at maybe 7 o'clock, but because you're already busy and it's a pattern already established, you don't really see it. But when that person is sitting in front of that computer or in whatever, you know, with using whatever device and can't move, now everybody gets to see exactly what's happening. So I would say the first thing that happened was real exposure, right, that everybody could see. And then number two, I'd say basically, you know, people who would normally stop working by a certain time all of a sudden thought, 
well, I'm right here. I've been here. I can just finish this and do this and do that. So many people became workaholics, right? And then employers, unfortunately, they even began to give even more work to people because they were, like, not really realizing the boundaries. So that time that it would normally take you to get to work, that hour, and that other hour that would usually take you to get home from work was all of a sudden now, instead of a regular eight-hour day, became a 10-hour day. And in many instances, people weren't stopped working until 12 or 1 o'clock at night. I was one of those people during the pandemic. And so I believe that that really helped to, you know, put people over that hump of becoming that workaholic. But I'm going to tell you something, and this is where I think the world has really come to a different realization because of COVID. There is something that's called the great resignation that's marking this era in life and time. And this great resignation is so impactful. I did the statistics. In January of 2021, for example, there were 3,311,000 people who resigned to quit their jobs. Gretchen, would you like to know in November of 2022 how many, I'm sorry, November um, 2021, how many people resigned? <laughs> Tell me. 4,510,000. I believe that COVID caused people to say, you know what, enough is enough. And I believe they began to see themselves in a different light, like, you know, I'm tired of working this hard for someone else and getting the same pay because this is what you get after you've done everything, like, you know, the 30, 60, 70, 80 hours in a week almost, right? You get the same paycheck and you get the same thank you. It may be with an exclamation point, but it's the same paycheck and it's the same thank you. But people decided to walk away and they're Mm -hmm. doing their own business now. And I commend those people. And, again, I would give them a round of applause. And so I would say even to your audience, this is a time post-COVID to really examine your dreams and the vision that you have that would really help you to see how you can make a difference for yourself going forward. If you're going to work hard, work hard for you. And be able to, you know, like I said, I live in Florida, right? So you see these yachts and boats and all of these different luxurious things. You're never going to get a lot of those things if you want them by working for someone else. So I don't ever encourage being a workaholic. But I do encourage mm-hmm. work-life balance for people to be able to enjoy the good life because you'll look around and it will all be over. Mm-hmm, Exactly. I always think about there's a, a line in the Karate Kid where um, Mr. Miyagi says you must have balance, um, yeah. which is something that is, is constant. There's a constant thing for me in terms of trying to strive for that because I, I, I know that that's and that is why I've I've learned to embrace the word no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, you know you you kind of. And even if someone else isn't pressuring you, sometimes it's just depending on, you know, how you're made up. There's just a lot of things sometimes that you want to do or want to be engaged in or or if you are one of those people that, uh, you know, likes 
for you know to do things to help other people there's a lot of people that need help out there and, and you know you want to do yeah. what you can to, to kind of help uh, and, and you end up kind of just taxing yourself and taking bits and pieces of your you know it's like a pie that gets sliced a little bit too thin you know um, <laughs> and at that point it becomes a little bit undesirable at that point you know so uh, you know, people want you, but some they they really want you at your best. And if you're exactly. kind of spread all over the place, you you can't really give. And that's exactly right. You know, and you said it so eloquently. You know, you can only give your best when you are at your best, right? And I think that's part of what people forget. So if you're exhausted and if you're worn out and tired, even though you're telling yourself something different, you're not going to be able to deliver the highest potential that you could normally do because of that. And, yes, we've learned, you know, balance. But I'll tell you something that someone said to me, and I did not even think about it until it happened. I was at a park um, at a concert, and um, I was on my phone at that time and, you know, talking to a friend of mine that was with me and trying to hear the concert at the same time. And this stranger, he came over to me and he said, you know you can only do one thing well at a time. And I looked at him and, you know, in my busyness, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, right, 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 yeah. And then it really dawned on me. And let me tell you how it dawned on me. So the next day, that was like a Friday, so that next day was Saturday, and we were headed to Chicago. At the time, I lived in Michigan, so Chicago was a four-hour stretch. And so I was on my way to pick up my sister-in-law, and I was on the phone talking to someone, and I'm trying to um, get the directions with the GPA, G, you know, GPS, trying to find her. And all of these things are competing, and literally I went around trying to find the exit like five times. And then it dawned on me what that guy said. You know you could really only do one thing well at a time. And that is so true. We've learned to condition ourselves to think that we can multitask. But you really can't because when you're trying to work on something and do it well enough, like you mentioned, when you do that one thing and focus on it, then you'll be at your greatest potential of success. And that's what really the work-life balance is all about, spending time to focus on what's the most important thing and prioritizing. And I love to say schedule. Schedule yourself in. You know, if you don't schedule time for yourself, you're not going to take time for yourself. And I tell people to schedule time for yourself to just say, you know what, I'm just going to walk outside for 15 minutes. It's really okay, Gretchen, to do that. And it doesn't matter if, you know, someone sees you, because that's the other thing we said, well, if I go to work, you know, and I, and I work, you know, walk for 15 minutes just to go here, suppose my boss sees me. Let your boss know politely. And, you know, just real gently, I really need to be at my best peak for you. And in order to do that, I need to take a 15-minute break here and there. Do you mind? And I would say that a wise boss or employer would say absolutely not. Because even now, Gretchen, you know what I'm finding? People in companies like, you know, your managers and directors, they're saying we practice work-life balance because people get it. First, they want to retain you, number one. <laughs> but they get people need to take time for self. 
You know, it, it's interesting that you say that. How do we get to this point, though? I guess that's the question that I would like to have answered. How did we get to this point? Um, part of me also thinks that we got to this point because we got more exposed to more information. We compare ourselves to, you know, uh, I guess other countries that, you know, do well in math or do well in science or do well in technology, you know, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's like, you know, they have these charts and we're supposed to be this great developed nation, you know, and, and, you know, we we don't necessarily fare too well in some of these analyses, you know. Um, And I think that's part of what has put the pressure on, let's say, corporations who are then in turn putting the pressure on their employees. What do you think? So I would I would say that, and I hate to use this word, but it's greed. It's greed in a lot of ways because the expectations of the man of the bottom line, and I remember when that term first started to be prevalent in the workplace, and everyone was trying to meet the bottom line. You had to make sure that the bottom line was met from a financial perspective, and so the pressure came on to leaders, and leaders took that pressure and placed it down on those staff workers, and it was this drive, 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 drive. And now, going back to what you asked about with COVID, people are realizing that that's not what really is going to drive success in a company, in an organization. It's the people who really drive the bottom line upwards. And if the people are not satisfied, because this generation of young people today, the millennials, they will tell you in a quickness, I'm taking my PTO time. They will also remind you that I am a short timer, they call it now, where in other words, I may be here for six months, I may be here for a year, but really don't expect me to be here past two or three years. So Hmm. you have employers that realize that. Now, and these, again, these are wise employers, they're saying, well, wait a minute. Is the bottom line the revenue that we're bringing in as much as staff morale that we're keeping and retaining our employees? Because they're realizing with this great resignation, you cannot hold on to people with the same practices of yesterday, pre-COVID. You cannot. And so I think that realization now when you ask the question, how do we get here? We got here through the bottom line and even for people. Well, if you make 150000 oh, you want to make 170000 You make 170, well, you know, we need to make 250000 And so that drive personally, people started to embark on and they took on more responsibility. But the end of the day is it's called burnout. And burnout, mm-hmm. whether it's the tires burning out, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Burnout is always going to still be burnout. And that burnout is what's caused people to say enough is enough. The millennials say it by saying, like my daughter, I'll give you an example. She just did a seminar, and I told her this morning, I said, um, I'm just so proud of you. You know, she's 35 years old. She did a seminar. Uh, she's a moderator there, and, um, you know, she was there for like three days. She got back home um, from out of town on that Friday, and I called her like I do, like to wish her a good day. And she says, oh, Mom, I'm off today. I said, you're off today? She said, yeah. She said, you know, I worked all week. You know, and I was there, you know, in the evening. I said, but 
aren't you supposed to be at work? She says, yeah, but I'm not taking, I'm not going to work today. And I said to her this morning, I said, you know, that would not have been me. See, my generation, <laughs> you know, we work, right. we work like, you know, so yeah, you worked at the, the seminar and all of that, but you couldn't go to work Friday, you know, but they don't do that. And so as an employer, you have to recognize how do I retain this person? So when this person says I'm taking a day off, and no, I'm not using my PTO, by the way, because remember, I worked in the evenings. You have to appreciate that and recognize that and let them be able to have the work-life balance in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, the thing about it is you, you sound like we're, we're the same generation, so they would put the fear of God in you. You may lose your job. You know, yep. we you know we can get somebody else. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and, oh, it's, yeah. and especially in Florida, right? you know, it, 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 because it was just the, the the thing about it is that you didn't. Florida, unfortunately, is not known for having great wages, but because of our climate, our you know things that attract people to come down to Florida. Oh, someone else will come down and take your job. You know? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Dr. Cheryl Hobbs, who is helping us kind of decipher National Workaholics Day and what a workaholic is and and, um, how we manage that or how we stop becoming one, Uh, you know, whatever makes us the healthiest, because some people, they kind of need that, too. We want to talk about that when we come back. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is National Workaholics Day, and we are kind of looking, taking a look at that with a Dr. Cheryl Hobbs. And the number, if you have questions or comments, is 516-387-1944. So, you know, when I, before we left, I was saying that some people – kind of actually need to be workaholics. And the reason I, I guess I, I say that is because we see also or hear a lot of circumstances where people retire, and then they're not around that much longer after that. And I think part of that has to do with that maybe that workaholic addiction that some of them didn't realize they had prior to retirement. What are your thoughts? So, you're absolutely correct. I come out of the field of education, and, you know, I can't tell you how many times colleagues of mine, um, because education is so demanding, right, and colleagues of mm-hmm. mine, 
um, who were in education would retire, and I tell you, six months later, you say, "Remember so and so?" And you go, "Yeah." And they say, "Well, you know, they pass." And you go, "Oh my God!" Hearing that so often, I began to really realize there's a pattern because, as a principal or as an assistant superintendent or superintendent. What ends up happening a lot of times is that the day never ends, it seems, right, because there's day school, there's after school, then there's the football games, then there's the, you know, parent group, there's the everybody, and there's somebody, and it's every single day pretty much except for Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I reach back to my colleagues and to the field of educators because I want them to be able to understand a sense of real balance. The school is going to go on without you. Education is going to go on without you, but we need you and the wisdom that you bring. So in talking with them, one of the things that I I share with them is for them to understand how did they get there. And as they talk about how they got there, because we've all woke up and realized, like, oh, my daughter graduated from high school. When did that happen? That's a sad commentary, Gretchen, right? Mm -hmm. Your child. While you're taking care of everyone else's children, your child is graduating, and you can't even hardly remember it because you're so busy. And when I walk them through those steps of how they got there, then we begin to unravel how to come out of it, right? And part of that is that I tell them, so you've got to schedule, like, those games. So if you go to a game in the evening, what are you going to do for yourself for those hours that you gave over? And that's how they began to unravel and unwind the the years of what they've been doing, right? Because it's critical. You can't take care of everybody else's house and not take care of your own. And so another part is I tell them, again, to set aside time for fun every day. It goes back to what I talk about scheduling yourself in your own schedule. Do you know educators don't go to the bathroom? That's kind of rhetorical, but it's true. You know, and I always say, wow, I need to come up with some design for educators going to the restroom. Because, one, as a teacher, if you're a teacher, you know, you can't leave the kids in the classroom. And your bladder almost gets trained that it doesn't necessarily function until you get off work. And that's sad because that's a natural function. You should be drinking water every day, which is something we don't do as educators. You should be having lunch, which is another something. It's not just educators, right? There are people that are in the workforce who are not taking lunch. Tell your audience they've got to take lunchtime. You deserve it. You have to eat because you have to replenish your body. And then something else I tell them is to spend time with people after work. So if if I say, Gretchen, what are you doing after work? And Gretchen says, well, you know, girl, i got to catch up on some things. Gretchen, you know I care about you, but we need to go out and just have dinner. (laughs) And we put our phones over there by the salt and pepper shakers, and we don't answer them. So that's part of it. And then I also encourage them to choose a hobby that contrasts to your work. Don't choose a hobby that's dealing with kids. I always say that when I retire, I was not going to be reading books to kids, okay? I read enough books to kids. I wouldn't be visiting schools. I've done that, you know, um, helping from a different level, but something that contrasts. And then finally, I always say, if you work indoors, you need to go outdoors, and if you work outdoors, you need to come indoors. Do something that you haven't been doing already. 
And that begins to change the cycle of the habits that you formed that placed you into becoming a workaholic from the beginning. One thing that you keep reiterating is about a schedule, which (laughs) I'm laughing because I was one of those people that was, I was going to almost, you know, really tight-fisted about a schedule, you know, about um, picking out the clothes the day before, probably picking out the clothes for the whole week. Um, this happens from this time to this time, this happens from this time to this time, and so on and so forth. And as I, you know, and I was, this was happening when I was really young, and then I was, you know, other see other people like, they're just carefree, they don't, they're not doing it. So I got out of doing schedule at some point, because uh, I'm like, I want to be more spontaneous. I want to, you know, I just want to, mm-hmm. you know, have mm-hmm. a good time. And But then I realized in relatively recent years that, you know, all of the stuff that you say you want to get done, you're not getting done, and you're not getting it done because, number one, you don't have a schedule. And then, number two, maybe you're trying to do too much. <laughs> you know, so right, right, let's, right. Let's, see, let's see how the schedule looks and let's see um, what we can and can't do and, and, you know, do it do certain things when we can. Um, so I, I, I see now I, I'm going back to trying to tighten up and having a schedule a little bit just for the simple reason so that I can have that time that I set aside, like you're saying, set aside time to enjoy life, to spend time with friends and family and whatnot. Because um, I, I keep looking back at my life and I say, well, what happened to this time when I used to go to, I used to like to hang out at Barnes and Nobles and I used to like to look at books and stuff like that. What happened to that time? What happened to the time mm-hmm. that I used to go hang out with friends? You know, we'd go have dinner or, or, you know, a beverage or whatever. What happened to that time? Where did all of that go? Why is that gone, <laughs> you know? Um, because I think one of the things that, like I was saying back to the guilting, the guilting thing, I think we get guilted sometimes into thinking that that's frivolous time or that's just not necessary to what you really need to be doing. And that's why we have to recondition our mind, because you're exactly right. You know, we feel guilty. You know, you take a 15-minute break, oh, my God, you know. And God forbid if you go and look at shoes at DSW during the workday and it's not lunchtime. But what you have to say to yourself, and, again, you begin well, to please feel repeat that. About the DSW I mean, thing. <laughs> I said, please repeat that about the DSW thing. Yes, yes. So, so you you know you love shoes. I love shoes, right? And so mm-hmm. you are afraid to be found shopping during work time. When you build a relationship with your employer, you help them to understand. Now again, again, this is post COVID. This is not before, but post COVID, mm-hmm. the the worker has more control than they ever have. Okay because of this great resignation. So you say to your employer, you build this relationship, and you say, now, is it time that you want from me or is it productivity? Because those are two different things. Time is 8 to 5. Productivity means I might start at 9 o'clock, and I might work until, we'll say, 6 o'clock, but then the next day I may work from, we'll say, 2 o'clock to maybe 10 o'clock. 
Because, and so before then, I may have gone to DSW because I needed to go get some shoes. I've got an event coming up on Saturday. So when you build that relationship with your employer, you're helping them to understand how valuable you are and how productive you are. It's not about a clock. And I'll tell you, years ago, like when I, you talk about pre-COVID, for example, my family and I were featured in the newspaper in Detroit um, like almost 30 years ago. My son was washing dishes in the house. Our daughters were sitting at the table, uh, I'm sorry, at the desk in front of the computer. They were all young. And why did that happen? Because at that time I was a new mother and I wanted to be at home with my children. So I bought, Gretchen, this is really dating me, but I bought a dial-up modem. I bought a Macintosh computer, and I set up my own in-house work at home, if you will, before COVID now, okay, work at home model and promoted myself to being able to do that through my employer who allowed me to do it through a proposal. And it worked. And other people at this company that I worked with were doing it, and it worked. We only had to come into the office for, now mind you, this is 30 years ago. So when COVID hit and people were talking about working at home and they were frantic about it, I'm like, I did that years ago. I don't know why we're still in this old model. So our mindset has to change. So, yes, you can go to DSW or wherever you want to go during the work hour because it's productivity and not time on a job. Right. I mean, because the thing that is key here is that you have to have a solid work ethic in order to pull that off so that when you're working, you're actually working and and you are being at your best, which we talked about, you know, which includes, you know, creativity. That also includes one of the things that we don't really talk about and one of the things that we keep messing up that we've got to get back to, and I'm working on it real hard, not doing really good, is sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Sleep. Yeah. You know, we we (laughs) sacrifice sleep. I mean, I still – do it, but then there are days like um, it was. I guess it was the day before yesterday, and I was like, I am just tired, you know, and and I feel bad about, you know, okay, it's eight o'clock, and I am struggling to stay awake to watch the TV. Let's just take yourself to bed. Go shower, whatever. Take yourself to bed. Just go. The next day, I was I felt good as new. You know, um, felt, and felt like I could be more productive. But we do tend to sacrifice sleep, and that's one thing too. You, you sometimes you can't catch up on, right? So Gretchen, you are absolutely right. You cannot catch up on it. And let me tell you. So you talk about, you know, you mentioned what I had said about scheduling. So Siri and um, uh, Alexa will be your best. In, okay, my phone, see, technology is so wonderful. My phone automatically shuts off at a certain time, but it tells me it's getting ready to do it, right? Because sleep is so important because you need to have your body rejuvenated in order to be the most productive that you can be. And that's what the cycle of workaholic does not tell you because you keep working until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And you can do it because you've trained yourself. It's almost like 
taking that first drink, and then the person says, oh, that didn't do anything. So then they take another drink, and I didn't do nothing. And so before you know it, they can hold liquor, as people say, right? And they keep, because they built up that type of immune system to it, so the first high of it didn't do enough, and then the next one, it's the same thing with being a workaholic. And it goes back to what I started with. An addiction is just that. It's an addiction. Being a workaholic is an addiction. So not sleeping is another part. Your body needs – the reason why it's called breakfast is really because you're breaking the fast. Breaking the fast. Right? So you sleep. You must – so I get in the bed, and this is dating me, because I thought about this as I've been going through this whole cycle, and I teach people Mm -hmm. now how to be delivered from it. Um, What was I my, my most happiest? When I started going to bed at 9 o'clock in my life, when I wasn't making as much money because I wasn't driven by money, I was going to bed at 9 o'clock, and I felt good when I woke up and I was rested, and I didn't even need an alarm clock. Do you know I'm back to that? I don't need an alarm clock to wake me up because guess what? I go to bed at 9 o'clock. My phone shuts off unless you know to call me twice, and I only tell a few people that, right? You know my phone is not going to answer for me to pick it up because I didn't realize it was breaking my sleep with the messages, the, 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 you know, the email going off, all of these different signals, and you say you're asleep, but it's breaking your sleep. I don't wake up in the middle of the night, and by clock, my body wakes up at 6.30 or 7 o'clock every morning. And when I say clock, that's my internal clock. I'm not good. I'm not good. I, I I have to confess because that's that's not going to happen here. You were talking about your happiness was going to bed at nine o'clock. I was like, my my happiness was not going to bed at two o'clock in the morning. But um, <laughs> things things have changed a lot since then. Um, but my problem is now. And I thought about what you were saying about the technology and turning it off. Um, even I have a tech guy that's on like the third Thursdays of the month, and he even talks about getting away from your tech. But I had my doctor tell me one time, one of my doctors was about turning off your tech at 7 o'clock. I'm like, that is not happening. Oh. <laughs> I just flat out told her. You know, I said, I'll work on it maybe 9 o'clock but not 7 because um, I do real estate. And especially during mm-hmm. summer hours, I'm, if, if I have mm-hmm. buyers, I'm showing houses until the sun goes down um, mm-hmm. if I'm not doing something else. Right now I have a part-time job that uh, <laughs> I'm trying to uh, trying to um, figure a way around, but anyway, um, I'm on that job until at least ten o'clock. Okay, sometimes a little later, and unfortunately, that does not change the fact that my husband's alarm goes off around four something. You know, because that's his day. You know, so and because I have certain sleep issues, sometimes unless I'm exhausted or I am sick, I have trouble getting back to sleep. So usually when he gets up in the morning, I may stay in bed a little longer, but then I get up before he leaves. We say morning prayer. He goes, we go the same path. He turns one way and goes to work. I go the other way and go to the gym because that's the only time, number one, I'm probably going to have to get in some gym time before putting it off or something else, you know. So, 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 yeah, my my uh, my life needs a little tweaking in that workaholic department as well. So, um, but so, so I want 
before we go, because our time is getting short, and I've got to have you back at some point, but what tips do you have for, A, the workaholic um, to become a little less of a workaholic, and, B, for the person who's not one to prevent them from becoming that workaholic? So I have eight tips that I like to tell people about, and that is, number one, make critical life changes to your lifestyle, right? You have to do that. And, you know, I listen to your litany of things that you do and all of that, and I could actually support you in how to even balance that out. So you don't have to necessarily change it, but there are some things of how you can balance that out. And that's what work-life balance is. Work-life balance is not coming into a whole nother set of do's and don'ts, okay? It's finding where you are in your cycle that works, but balancing it out. And then I would also say my next tip would be to not work more than 40 hours per week. So with all the things that you just said to me, your different time that, you know, I have to be up at this time and, and, you know, at that time, you still want to set a limit to the hours that you would be doing all of what you're supposed to be doing, right? And unless it's actually necessary, making those adjustments to compensate. So, you know, it goes back to my daughter. When she did all of that extra, she took Friday off. And then number three, I would basically say focus on select priorities, right? I build courses and sell courses, and one of the things that I have in each course is selecting your priorities because you've got to prioritize things, setting realistic expectations, right, in terms of the workload and the deadlines that you have. Um, You know, number five, I'd say avoid big stressors as much as possible because as women, we tend to hold a lot of our emotion and our stress in our abdomen, which is really not good, and that's where diabetes and high blood pressure and all that starts in the abdomen, and we overeat, so we want to stop that. Um, I would also say, number six, work on balancing your life activities, right? And your life activities are not necessarily all work. It's your playtime. So putting that balance, again, we can't change your scheduling because scheduling is scheduling, right? But we can work around how you infuse those activities, right? Like I love that you said you go to the gym. So we would talk about while you're at the gym, what are you focused on? It can't be work. It can't be getting the next real estate deal or the house you're going to see. It has to be meditation, right? Because otherwise you're defeating the purpose of exercise. You're you're trying to get it out, right? Um, And then number seven, I would basically say limit emailing only the work hours. And I know because we live in technology today and (laughs) it comes on our phone, it comes in every way, you know, but unless it's absolutely necessary, we learn how to set a time, and again, this is where Alexa can be very, uh, and she just turned on when I said her name, but she can be very instrumental because mm-hmm. I have her set reminders, right? So she could set you a reminder for however many days or whatever time to check your email. And only until she or Siri comes on do you do that. So you're setting those boundaries. And then finally, for number eight, I'd say just start back over, repeating number one, two, three, all the way to seven until you get it right. Okay. Now, I hear, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it takes, what is it, 90 days 
to actually develop a habit? Is, is, is that correct? Uh, how much time do you allot yourself to, to I guess, make these changes, I guess? It, it, because a lot of times when these changes aren't occurring in your time frame, you know, then you get discouraged, you know. So what do you allot yourself? How You know, how do you, uh, I guess, you have that balance in terms of, you know, meeting those successes and allowing yourself to have, I guess, some failures? 21 days. 21 days. That's three weeks, right? It, it takes 21 days to break or to form a habit. So when really? you are trying to break away from something, you have to realize it's like losing weight. You didn't get that size, whatever size you are that you want to lose, you didn't get to that point overnight. It took time. And even with losing weight, you don't want to try to lose it all at once because, again, one of the things they always say is you, as fast as you lose it, the more, even more, when you come back into it, if you don't do it right, you gain even more than where you first started. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say about being a workaholic. Take your time and don't be hard on yourself. Part of why a person has that addictive workaholic behavior is because subconsciously they're very hard on themselves. And they say things to themselves subconsciously, enough is never enough. And, and, and I need to prove something additional to what I've already proven. And that lack of being satisfied with one's self or thinking that others are not satisfied with one's work only compiles that. So you want to be forgiving to yourself and let it go. My new word for the last uh, month has been very simple, and it's called simply release. I would say release all of what you're holding on to that is impeding upon your ultimate balance in life that is preventing you from experiencing life in a newfound way of simply not being the workaholic. So you too can say like I do, I am a recovering or a recovered workaholic. How do people get in contact with you <laughs> for, for, for a consultation or, you know, to have you do a workshop or anything like that? So they can get in touch with me by going to visionpurposedrive.com, um, and they can also go on our website, which is Victory Educational Solutions. And I chose the name Victory because God gave it to me because I want everyone, Gretchen, to have the victory in and over their life because that's God's mission for us to be successful. And my phone number is 313-354-4013. So it's either Victory Educational, that's A-L, solutions.com, or it's visionpurposedrive.com. Those are our websites, and you can purchase a course. We actually have a um, burnout and a workaholic course that's going to be coming up this week. Great. Dr. Hobbs, thank you so much. This has been just enlightening and inspiring, and, and definitely would love to have you back. So you are welcome back anytime. Well, Gretchen, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you and your audience today. God bless you and the work that you're doing, and I pray much continued success for you.
Thank you so much. Same to you as well. And thank you all for listening. Talk to you all tomorrow, God willing. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. He'll make it all right.